I want you to turn to several openings today. Uh, first of all, Isaiah 28, verse 11, and then go over to Mark 16, if you would, as well. And for weeks we've been talking about the well. Poke somebody and say, you're the well, and I'm the well. And that means the well of God's goodness, His glory, His manifest presence, power, and goodness is on the inside of every person. Did you know that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is on the inside of you? Just stop and think about that sometime. Say that with me. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in me right now. Now, you say that to yourself about ten times in a row, and the next question is, okay, if it's there, then how do I get it to flow? Because biblically, it's there. We found out that it's going to require some revelation on the concept of who you are and what you have in terms of the well. It's going to require you understand the empowerment, what's in there, the Spirit of God, the sevenfold Spirit, the gifts, the fruit. Everything that you need, everything that we need to be victorious in this life is there. And everything you need to minister to others in the supernatural is there. And then we've been talking about the past several weeks, on Wednesday night particularly, about being available. It doesn't do us any good if we have this power, but you and I are never available for the Lord to use. Say it with me, I am available. Say it like this, availability is my superpower. You say, well, everybody is available. That's not true. Every born-again, spirit-filled Christian is that well, but not every single one of those wells is available for God to use them. So we want to encourage you, it does us no good to be empowered if we're never available for Him to use us. So it requires that we begin to do something to get that thing on the inside of us to flow. How many you know that water that's just in the well is not doing anybody any good? We have to draw it out to water crops. We have to draw it out to, to refresh ourselves. We have to draw it out to have that living water flow. So not just for us, but for other people. The good news for you and for me is when that water begins to flow, it's really not like a hose. Y'all remember a bottle of water when you were a kid? It's called the garden hose. Remember those days? That's how we drank water. We got hot. We played ball all day long outside and we drank from a hose, you know. Kids today. <laughs> Amen. I was going down, uh, you know, memory lane the other day. I saw a special fa page on Facebook, uh, pictures from Carbondale, Illinois, which is where I'm from, and seeing pictures of the university and the high school and things that used to be businesses that are no longer there. And for some strange reason, I got this, uh, this notation that we think you'd be interested in identifying snakes from Illinois. And I began to think about that. Yeah, I know a few snakes in Illinois I could identify. <laughs> And I got to thinking, I know a few in Kentucky that I got to identify as well. So the snake master, hallelujah. But, but you know, uh, that's how we drank. And it was kind of like a, you know, a hose. Now, every once in a while, you know, somebody would try to play a trick on you, and you put your, you know, face up to the, to the hose, and they had been holding the thing down, compressing it. And then when they released it, you got a bath, not just a drink. Well, if you ever begin to understand how the Holy Ghost flows in that force, think of it not so much as a little trickle from a garden hose as it is what happens when you open up a fire hydrant. That's what God is interested in doing today. Not a trickle, not a hose, but a fire hydrant blast of the Spirit of God. And to do that, you've got to learn how to turn on that pump. My grandma, when I was real little, she lived just off of I-55, and that's eventually what they did. They took her house to build I-55 there. But there was an old hand pump. Y'all remember those? 
go way, way back here, and you'd pump that thing. Of course, it's primed, and you put a pail in there, and you get some water that way. Uh, now we have electronic pumps. You know, we have electricity, and when they work, uh, it's wonderful to live in the county. It's not so wonderful when the pump goes out or the wires disconnect or a little bitty Japanese beetle gets in between the leads and it won't close and it won't fire. So little things like that. Um, it doesn't do you any good to have a nice, you know, basin of water below if the pump's not working. And we as born-again spirit-filled people, uh, we have everything we need. We have all the equipment and we certainly have the water. What we don't have is the pump running like it's supposed to. We don't have the flow there. That's what the assignment is today. And we'll go down this road as far as we can, as far as the Lord wants me to. And if we have to pick it up again, we will, because it's that important. But I want to talk to you today about the Spirit of God, but specifically what happens to somebody when they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And what happens when they get baptized in the Holy Spirit is God gives them the ability to speak in a language they never learned. It's not your first language, it's not English or Spanish or whatever, it's a supernatural language. And I want you just to hold on to that for a moment and, and help yourself see from the eyes of Scripture how important this is. And make yourself alert and attentive so that you can walk out of here with revelation knowledge and getting the, the Spirit of God flowing in and through you like He never has before. People would ask Smith Wigglesworth, uh, you know, a faith hero of mine. I love the stories, and he didn't write books, and he didn't make television broadcasts or record radio sermons or whatever. But people did compile what he said, and they compiled what he did when he was on this earth. And they used to ask him, what was the secret of your power? And he told them this. Number one, I stay in the Word all the time. Faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing by the Word of God. He said, number two, I live a holy life. There should be more than three amens for that principle. Can I try that again? I live a holy life. In other words, separated unto God so you can be that vessel of honor so that anointing actually flows like a river. And the third thing he said, I, I pray in the Holy Ghost all the time. Say it with me, the word, holiness, and the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Spirit all the time. Uh, his example, his words, his sermons, even responding to that question, people in the modern church still don't have a clue how powerful it is what he said. Remember this, revelation, empowerment, right? Connectivity to God, availability, these are all important principles. This goes back to revelation, you understanding how powerful something is. And making up your mind, you're going to use what God has given you like never before. Say it with me. He lived a holy life. He stayed in the Word all the time. He prayed in the Spirit all the time. Uh, Isaiah 28 foreshadowed this when God said uh, prophetically in verse 11. He said, very well then, with foreign lips and strange tongues, God will speak to his people. Then, uh, are you at Mark 16 yet? Okay. I have given you plenty of time to get there. Mark 16, in verse 15, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Now, not those who are apostles, not those who are pastors, but who? 
In other words, you're going to preach the gospel, they're going to believe, get baptized, those same people are going to what? Have signs following. In other words, he's talking about every believer having signs following in their lives. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. How many are glad you have authority over demonic activity in this world? In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in what? New tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. If you're a believer, these things should be flowing out of your life. Now, to help you understand, does not mean go and get your box of snakes and prove how holy you are. That is the answer to the age-old question, how stupid can you be? It does mean when a viper, one that slitters on the ground or one that walks on two feet, bites, you can do the same thing Paul did on the aisle and you can shake that thing off. Come on, look at somebody and tell them just shake it off. It means that if you are drinking or eating because that's how we sustain our natural strength and something comes across your path that's dangerous to you, whether it's salmonella or somebody's tried to poison you, you can have protection as you walk out the path of God and you, what you're called to do in this earth. In other words, when somebody tries to do something or something is tainted intentionally or otherwise, you can walk that thing out in health and overcome that thing. That's what it means. It also says that you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Not the super apostle, not the pastor, not the evangelist, but what? The believers who believed on the message when they were sent forth and they were baptized and they are believers. These things will follow them. These things are supposed to accompany every believer. Say it with me. Every believer. Every believer. Every believer driving out demons. Every believer speaking in new tongues. Every believer is able to be protected from any viper attack. Every believer being protected as they go about their day eating and drinking. And every believer laying hands on the sick and watching people do what? Recover. Now that's revelation. That's also faith. I can't make you receive it and I can't make you believe it. But I am charged to preach it. Amen. Amen. To preach the truth in love, but preach the truth. Why would I mention this today? Because, you know, for example, George Barna came out with this culture report from Arizona Christian University, and it'd be hard to understand this. I'll just kind of give you a couple of these stats here. If uh, I'm going to get this thing here to work for you. The breakdown in this country right now, people who profess that they're self-identified Christians, 69% or 176 million people. Listen to what those seven, those uh, you know, sixty-nine percent people who self-identify as Christians believe. Seventy-two percent of them argue that people are basically good. Seventy-one percent of those consider feelings, experience, or input of friends and family as the best guidance for morality. Sixty-six percent say having faith matters more than which faith you pursue. Sound familiar? All roads lead to the same place. I didn't just give you the stats for heathens. I'm giving you the stats for those that say they're Christians. 64% say that all religious faiths are of equal value. 55, uh, 58% say that a person's good enough or does good, enough good things, they can earn their path to heaven. Listen to this. 58% contend that the Holy Spirit is not real. Oh 
Living is a, not a living being, but merely a symbol of God's power, presence, and purity. It's just a symbol. 57% believe in karma. 52% claim that determining moral truth is up to each individual. There are no moral absolutes that apply to everyone all the time. Sound familiar? Now listen to those same stats for those who claim to be born again, but also thoroughly integrated as a disciple in this country. 25% of them say there's no absolute moral truth. 33% of them believe in karma. 39% of them believe the Holy Spirit's not real, but a symbol of God's power, presence, and purity. You can see why it's important for pastors to teach on the things of the Spirit of God. Now, I don't know who they think is doing the work in the earth or who's doing all the operation and the saving and the healing and the delivering. It's not a symbol. He is the third member of the Trinity. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And right now, he is the active personage on the earth operating in us and through us. And we need to understand how important this is. It's, it makes me think, how in the world can almost 7 out of 10 people who identify as Christians in this country not even believe in a, in a real Holy Spirit? Why? Because if you don't preach it, you don't get it. And I'll be very blunt with you. I've watched this through the years, how, how families, how moms and dads will allow their families to step out of a Spirit-filled church and environment and take them to the opposite spectrum where they don't believe in the things of the Spirit and think that's an okay thing. Can I tell you something? There's going to be consequences in that family line for shielding them from the reality of the person of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you the simple truth is you get 68% of the people not believing there is a real Holy Spirit because he's never talked about He's never preached about. He's never emphasized. His ministry is not really discussed. But even when I was a kid in Lutheran church, we at least heard the name. And we were taught the Trinity. The church in America is in trouble, and it's our job as born-again spirit-filled Christians to stand in the gap. Can I see your hand if you're willing to stand in the gap and actually live out your faith without compromise? Amen. Go to Acts chapter 19 for a minute. Aren't you glad you're not one of those? Come on, shout it out. The Holy Ghost is not a symbol. Come on, say it like this. The Holy Ghost is God. Acts chapter 19, verse 3. So Paul asked him, he found some disciples in Ephesus, and he asked them, We'll go back to verse 1. While Paulus was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Say that with me. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? You can be a believer. You can be a disciple and still not have received what we're talking about today. The baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. This is what Paul was coming across here in Acts chapter 19. They said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Sounds like a lot of Americans self-identified Christians today. Well, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him that is in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, they what? 
the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Can I tell you something? The same thing that happened to those 12 men that day, God wants to happen to you. They say, well, Pastor, we're, we're Hope Harbor. Everybody in this church is born again and spirit-filled. No, they, they come in that way. We have a very diverse congregation. You'd be amazed, even, you know, at our size, how, how many different, rep, you know, got, you know uh, dominations are represented. And we thank God for the background of all of them. Glad you've had a moral upbringing. You, at least you don't believe like those people. At the same time, it's part of our mission and mandate to share everything that we have been trusted with and so not everybody comes in that way, but how do you understand they shouldn't stay that way? They should be enjoying everything that God has for them. And it's horribly selfish for us to have something and not share it. God help us in these end times not to be like a leper that sits there after he discovers the enemy's been trounced and not tell the rest of the people there's treasure and food and clothing over there. We must share what we have. It's priceless, actually. The experiences and the things that he gives us are just, you know, without compare. And so he lays hands on them. They receive and they manifest that experience by speaking in a tongue they had never learned. Now, there's nothing more controversial in the body of Christ in the modern Western church than tongues. Nothing. I don't care what topic you pick. In fact, I just say the word tongues and some of y'all are going to go like that. Because you were taught nonsense about the baptism. You were taught untruths about tongues. And in fact, in some cases, you were flat out lied to. Some of you were told that these things have passed away. No man has a right to declare the gift of God has passed away. In the end times, when we are all gathered together, there will be no use for some of these things. But right now, we need him and his gifts more than we have ever needed him. Amen. Some people told, were told it's of the devil. Could you imagine growing up in a church where you're told this is of the devil? Boy, you stay away from that like the plague. Well, you never know what will happen. You better stop messing around with that stuff or something you know, ugly might jump on you. Can I tell you something? You, know, you don't ask God for the Holy Spirit and then he gives you a demon. I served the devil for 17 years and never once spoke in tongues. Isn't it amazing that all the people serving the devil don't speak in tongues? All of a sudden a Christian speaks in tongues, he's of the devil. So you have to memorize religion because it doesn't make any sense. So, I, you know, people don't preach this pastor anymore. You know, they're, they're ashamed of this stuff and the people are offended by it and they're put off by it. What people are offended by or put off by or ashamed of have no bearing on what I'm called to do. Amen. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God unto the salvation of what I mean. All that believe. Amen? It's the power of God. All of the gospel, every part of it is important. In the Old Testament, people desired to build the Tower of Babel in the name of self-reliance, socialism, and pride. God confounded their speech. On the day of Pentecost, he brought all of his people and baptized them all in the Holy Ghost, and they all spoke in other tongues to unify them in the Spirit of God. Modern believers have no idea the power that is kept when we do not use the God-given gift of tongues. Let me say it again. The modern church has no idea the power that is kept when we do not use the God-given gift of tongues. 
It's enormous. The controversy, the teachings, the things that people put out there, they reject it because of fear of people, fear of religion, tradition, false teachings of the devil. It's passed away. They don't see any value to it. All these things are designed by the enemy to stop you from doing something that he knows is extremely powerful, that he has no defense for. If you're the devil, you do not want Americans speaking in tongues. Well, I'm a Methodist, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Lutheran, I don't care what you call yourself. The gift is for all. When Peter preached on this, what you have observed, what you have seen, this is for all that our Lord shall call, including your children and their children and their children. This is for everybody, regardless of your background. I've laid hands on Catholics and Methodists and Presbyterians, Unitarians. I mean, I've, I've laid hands on, you know, people that were raised in Pentecostal churches. I've laid hands on people that were all called Baptists. You name the denomination background. And I've laid hands on them, and they have received the Holy Ghost and spoken other tongues. God doesn't care what your label is. He only cares that you're born again, that you want more of him. If you're the devil, you want to oppose this because of the sheer power connected to it. We've not connected the dots. He connected the dots 2,000 years ago. He intuitively knew that if these people use this gift, what's on the inside of them is going to flow out. Are you here today? Let me try that one more time. He knew that if God's people use that gift, what's on the inside of them would flow out. So he has to cap it with fear and unbelief and false teaching and laziness. Whatever it takes to keep people from using this gift, he's got to shut it down. He's got to stop the world from being flooded with the glory of God. Meanwhile, we just think it was something that happened when we received the Holy Ghost. And when we get a real unction or goosebump, we'll pray in the Spirit. We're missing the whole point. We're falling right into the trap of the devil by not using what God gave us. Are you here today? The potential release of that power is the reason for the unusual amount of assault on tongues and those that practice these things. Primarily by the non-Pentecostal church, which did not exist at all on the day of Pentecost. From the beginning, the church was a spirit-filled church and lost its way over time. On the day of Pentecost, 100% of the believers were filled with the spirit in that place. That's why we say boldly God's will is the Holy Spirit. And that's why it's so troubling that so many American self-identified Christians would not even believe in the Holy Spirit. Playing right into the devil's hand. What does it do for you? Well, according to Jude, praying in, the, in, praying in tongues will build up your faith. Amen. Build up your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Is there anybody here that could have times in life where you need your faith built up? How many could use your faith built up right now? Watch this. There are only two things in Scripture that I have found that will develop and build up your faith. How many? Two. 
Now, if you're born again and spirit-filled, you have the opportunity to use both of them to keep your faith vibrant and strong. One is faith comes by hearing, and two is praying in tongues. If you reject tongues, now you have one way of building your faith instead of everything God gave you to build up your faith. Another thing is it edifies that spirit man or strengthens that spirit man. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. He that prays in the spirit edifies himself. How do you understand? You and I aren't going to have 15 people come and edify us. <laughs> the gift will bring you self-edification. The believer that prays in tongues, that speaks in tongues, stills and quiets their soul. It's your job to still and quiet your soul. Too many Christians living out of their minds, out of their emotions, out of their own will, when at the same time the Spirit of God could put a kibosh on that, quiet your mind, quiet your emotions, quiet your will, so you can hear from God. Too many people think things, make decisions, and feel things and act on it, and then wonder why they get into so much trouble when the Spirit of God would help them still and quiet that soul to hear from God. It's powerful. Listen, if, if you're the devil, you want Christians chasing their tails till the day they die. You want them to be emotion-ruled and self-willed. You don't want them flowing in the Holy Ghost. When you pray in the Spirit, you have a way to pray when you do not know what to pray. You know, sometimes you can't find the words in English. Am I right about it? How do you pray about this? How do you pray about that? I don't know about you, but on occasions somebody presents something to me and I just, I just flat don't know how to deal with it. I take it to the Word and apply some word to it, but, you know, they can be too much for you and for me, but no prayer request is ever too much for the Holy Ghost. Listen to this in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans and words that cannot be expressed. And he who searches our hearts, uh, searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with the will of God. The principles here are very, very powerful. When you pray... When you speak in tongues, the first thing you need to remember is that everything you pray in tongues lines up with the Word of God. Everything. Not everything we pray in English always lines up with the Word. Sometimes we pray feelings and reactions. Sometimes we pray religion. Hello, church. Sometimes we pray things that we think are, are sounding good or whatever to impress somebody. But when you pray in the Spirit, you always pray 100% in accordance with the Word and the will of God. Not only that, everything you pray in tongues comes to pass. Everything. Well, I don't know what I'm praying. It doesn't matter. It's good because it's going to come to pass and it's God's will. How do you want God's will in your life? A surefire way to do that is pray in the Spirit because everything you pray will come to pass in your life that lines up with God's will. When you pray in the Spirit, everything you pray comes to pass. How about that for a record? 
Watch this. Tongues gets the human will, mind, and emotions out of the equation and releases divine power and wisdom into the situation. 1 Corinthians 14 tells us that when we pray in the Spirit, we pray mysteries. Write this down, divine secrets. God's able to reveal those to you, but he doesn't have to. Uh, you could know those things sometimes, but it's not, it's not important for you to know, to be able to pray in faith and receive from God. All these things are true. Say it with me, all these things are true. Say it, I build up my faith. I edify myself. I still and quiet my spirit. I pray according with the will of God. Everything I pray in the spirit comes to pass. I get great results when I pray in the spirit. When I pray, I put my mind and my will and my emotions out of the equation. And I get what God wants. I get his wisdom, divine mysteries, divine secrets in my life come into pass. Boy, there's an awful lot of reasons just for us personally to pray in the Spirit. Sometimes we're, we're defeated because we don't mind being defeated. If we would use the things that are you know, inside of us, we would not be defeated. But I want you to see this today. Everything I just told you from Scripture is true. But I also want you to understand that we've taught you about what's on the inside of you. That literally, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. It's released when you pray in tongues. The power that is in you is released when you pray in tongues. Wigglesworth knew that. The modern Christian does not understand that. If they did, they would go around praying in tongues, shooting that power at everything that moved. Wherever they, they discovered they needed the manifest presence or power or goodness of God, they would say, you know, I know what this is. I know what it does for me, but I know what it will do for those on the outside. And I am going to pray in the Holy Ghost in that direction. And I know what's going to happen is I'm going to release with the contents of that well in that direction. There's going to be supernatural ability released and supernatural things are going to happen because that's the nature and the essence of what comes out. When you open up your mouth and you pray in tongues, everything the Holy Spirit is, has, and does comes out. If I'm the devil, I do not want that happening. I will finagle and lie and persecute and marginalize. If you don't believe that, next time somebody asks you from, from a religious perspective where you go to church and you tell them, watch for the eye roll. Or the, oh. Well, if they, don't, if they don't understand that we are, that's a problem right there. But obviously, there are some people in our community that do understand who we are. The question is, are we living up to that reputation? I want you to get this. And I, I, there's no way I can unzip your head and pour it in. I can't make you see it. I can't make you believe it. I can't make you receive it. But you've got to understand this. When you turn on tongues, you turn on the flow of the glory. 
Oh, God, send the glory just now. Oh, God, send the power just now. Oh, God, send revival. You know what you are? You're a one man or one woman walking revival and you don't even know it. The revival, the glory was sent 2,000 years ago. It's here now. It's, it's in you. When you pray in tongues, when you speak in tongues, you turn on the flow of the glory and point it in the direction of that issue. All the power, all the presence, all the goodness of God, you know, enters into that situation. All the anointing, all that power is thrown at that situation when you pray and when you speak in tongues. I just... I just don't know if I, I, it's just a little tongue. You know, I just pray in the Holy Ghost when I get worried or afraid or get a goosebump. God help us that we have reduced the release of the glory of God on the earth to a goosebump. If you're the devil, you're clapping over that one. But if you walk out of here understanding that when you open up your mouth and you speak in tongues and you direct it at a situation, you're directing the very glory of God at that thing and that thing will bow in Jesus' name. You're a Christian of a different horse. Amen. You're a totally different breed. How many of you have now some understanding of what's on the inside of you here? Say it with me, the Holy Ghost. The third member of the Trinity. God himself, the sevenfold spirit, all the gifts, all the fruit, all the power, all the anointing, all the glory, God's manifest presence and power and goodness in here, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead in you now. It's here now. Now watch this. When you open up your mouth and you speak in tongues at that situation, you are hitting that situation with the totality of the contents of that well. Try that one more time. When you open up your mouth and you pray in tongues in the direction of that situation, you are hitting that situation with the full contents of the well. Yes. Yes, it will build your faith. Yes, it will edify you. Yes, it will still and quiet your soul. Yes, it will in fact enable you to tap into divine mysteries for your own life. Yes, it will do all these things that we've talked about. But God is sending a message to the modern church. I want you to talk about what it's supposed to be doing through you and not just in 
You find somebody that's in need in this community, and I'm not talking about running up to them and blasting them in tongues. I'm talking about you using wisdom strategically to pray in the Holy Ghost over that person's situation, and you don't turn loose of that thing until you see God manifest the results. You shoot everything at them from what's on the inside of you, and that's how this is done. How do you turn on the pump? How do you crank it? How does it work? You pray in tongues, and everything that's in that well comes flowing out in that direction. You are not some weird Pentecostal charismaniac. You are a possessor and a keeper of the anointing. It's on the inside of you. It's time it got outside of you and intended for its real purpose and reason is to benefit mankind, to help people, whatever they're dealing with. I don't know about you, but I know some people that could use the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I just thought it was so we could be weird. Marginalized, made fun of. It should not surprise you that religious Christians in any town would make fun of people who are tongue talkers. That's the very first thing the devil did in Acts chapter 2. They're drunk. No, it's only nine o'clock. What you have is nothing to be ashamed of. You're walking around with the answer, kowtowing to religion and ideas and people's mindset and their opinions, when all the time what is inside of you is the answer for the hurts of mankind. I don't know if I believe I can't do anything about your believing that. I believe it. What God's trying to show us is it's not just been about us receiving the power to live this life, but the power to be witnesses with signs following. Results. Come on, shout it out. Say it. Results. Miracles. Signs. Wonders. Come on, say it. Miracles. Results. Signs. Wonders. Say it. Miracles. Results. Signs. Wonders. Yep. When you, when you pray in the Spirit, it's going to build you up. Do it. Do it often. When you pray in the Spirit... It's going to cause your, your spirit to be edified and lifted up, build up like an edifice, rising higher and higher and higher. Yep, it's going to still inquiet your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Do it. Make sure you apply these things to your own life. Yep, it's going to subjugate the mouth. Sometimes, you know, we need our mouth subjugated. Instead of letting somebody have it, just go ahead and pray in the Holy Ghost. You'll be thankful you did. Raise your hand if you shouldn't have said something recently, but you said it anyway. Moving right along, that's not our sermon today. But if you just stopped and prayed in the Holy Ghost, guess what? Yes, it'll, it'll subjugate your mouth. Lots of personal reasons for us to use the gift that God has given us. But he's been talking to us about the well. Deep, refreshing, eternal. Rivers of what? Living water, life. When you open up your mouth and you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're shooting life at people. Amen. Come on, shout it out. I'm a life shooter. 
There's an awful lot of death shooters out there. Say, I'm a life shooter. And that's how we do it. Watch this. Three simple things that will happen when you start praying in the Holy Ghost like you ought to. You may be here today and you can't even remember last time you prayed in the Spirit. Or maybe it's with great infrequency. Or maybe you know God's been talking to you for a long time about spending, you know, more time, copious time praying in the Holy Ghost. Or maybe just like I just want to be, you know, good little evangelical, you know, I was raised the Baptist or I was raised the Methodist, I was raised, that's just what I want to be, don't want to get into all that stuff. You don't understand. This isn't just about you. It's not about you going to heaven. You couldn't get baptized in the Holy Ghost unless you were on your way to heaven. It's not about you going to heaven. It's about other people going to heaven and you influencing them. But number one, when you you exercise this gift consistently, it increases sensitivity. To whom? To the Spirit of God. What does that mean? It means you're able to pick up on the urgings and directions of the Holy Ghost. You're more sensitive to his promptings in your life. The more you pray in the Holy Ghost, the more you're going to pick up on his orders and his directives, his leanings, his urgings in your life. Brother Osteen used to call them the urgings of the Holy Ghost. It's a great concept. When he urges you, you're going to pick up on that more the more you pray in the Spirit. Watch this. The less you pray in the Holy Ghost, the less you're going to have those urgings. And you're going to wonder, oh, God never impresses me to do anything. Well, are you using the gift that's inside of you? It increases sensitivity. Number two, it decreases timidity. You're going to be bolder than you've ever been. The more you pray in the Spirit, the bolder you're going to get. The righteous are as bold as a lion. I can't see myself just marching up to that person, laying hands on them in Jesus' name. After you've been praying in the Holy Ghost a while, that won't be an issue to you. Well, I couldn't imagine speaking up at work and talking about the things of God and and correcting somebody's thinking on something that's in error. I I wouldn't possibly do that in Jesus' name. Well, yeah, when you pray in the Holy Ghost enough, you'll get over that, that timidity and that fear. I can't imagine casting the devil out of somebody. You pray in the Holy Ghost enough, guess what? You'll roar like a lion. Amen. The sensitivity will increase. Your timidity will decrease. And number three, you will see an increase in the release of that power. Praying in the Holy Ghost consistently releases power. Come on, shout it out. Praying consistently in the Holy Ghost releases power. Releases Power, it increases sensitivity, it decreases timidity, and it releases power. Raise your hand if you know some people that can use that power where you work, where you go to school, in your family. It just happens. We reduce it to something that happens when somebody gets the Holy Ghost or when we're afraid or a tornado's coming or we get a goosebump. God is calling you to use it strategically to advance the kingdom of God. Pray in tongues like you never have before. Amen? To, to absolutely be the fanatic that people in this town think you are. Without apology. Enjoy who you are. Enjoy your spirituality. Amen? 
how does a person that might be interested in the body of Christ who is not spirit-filled, is not a tongue-talker, how can they become one? Well, the first key is to repent. you got to get saved. No one gets baptized in the Holy Ghost. No one is able to speak in tongues if they're not saved. So you must repent. So if you're away from God right now, you can repent right now, give your life back to him, and you'll be a candidate for what he wants to do. Number two, you have to thirst. John 7 says, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me, as the scriptures say. And out of his what? Innermost being will flow. Rivers of living water. We don't have to guess of what that meant because the writer told us this spake he, or he said this concerning the Holy Spirit, which had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. That's what it says in John 7. If you thirst, not just if you're saved. How many understand some people are saved and are not thirsty? They're going to heaven, praise the Lord, that's the end of it. They're not hungry for more. Come on, say it, I am thirsty and I am hungry. Come on, say it like this, I'm hungry. Hungry. God help us to be thirsty and hungry for more. The Bible says if we'll hunger and thirst for righteousness, what will he do? He'll fill us. So it's not enough to repent and get saved. We also have to thirst. We have to be hungry for it. Number three, we have to ask. Luke tells us in Luke 11, 3, we ask him for the Holy Spirit. What's he going to give us? He's not going to do the switch or rule on us. He gives the Holy Spirit to them that what? That ask. Don't it have to be special? You are special. You're born again. You see this? But you have to ask, and you have to understand that he wants to give it to you. Number four is receive. He's not going to force it on you. He's not going to force you to receive the Holy Ghost. He's not going to force you to receive the baptism. And he's not going to force you to speak in tongues. And the reality is some of you think that he actually is doing the speaking. In reality, what happens when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, you're doing the speaking. He gives you the words. Say, I'm doing the speaking. The words come from him. If I look at David and I tell David, David to say, book, book, look, look. Say it. it. Sounds like a chicken over there. <laughs> Say it again. Book, book. Look, look. See my bow tie. Tie my bow tie. He is saying what I am what? Saying. But the Spirit of God does the same for you and for me. A lot of Christians will sit there for eons saying, okay, speak, speak. Grab my tongue and make it flap, oh Holy Ghost. That's not how it works. You receive, and at that moment, you have the ability to speak a language you never learned that comes from Him. And the more you use it, the more developed it is. We're perishing for little use of the gifts of God. So when He baptizes you, either by someone laying hands on you, or you just getting alone with God and praying and asking God to receive the Holy Ghost, understand at that moment you're going to have the ability to pray in a language you never learned. He will give you the words. You will say them. He will not say them for you ever. False concept. Say it with me. I ask, I ask. and I receive. And the last step is I speak. And I keep on speaking. I'm not going to take a break. 
I'm going to keep on using the gift of God. It's going to benefit me. Amen? But I'm telling you, God is calling you to open up your mouth and use tongues like a gun and aim it at cancer in Jesus' name. I mean, just aim it. You aim it at Parkinson's disease. You aim it at Alzheimer's. Are you here today, church? You aim it at drug addiction. Are you here today? You aim it at depression. You wage war with weapons that are spiritual and they're mighty. They're not carnal. We have these weapons. We've been sitting there with this ability and the devil convinces us it was just a sign for us when we received the Holy Ghost or we really needed a, a, a prayer breakthrough or something like that and it was just all, all about us, about us going to heaven or about us you know, telling people about Jesus. Yes, you should be. And it will prompt you to do that. But when you open up your mouth, the full contents of what's on the inside of you rushes out every single time. You want to know how he's going to make us the miracle capital of the world? Every person born again and every person spirit-filled and every person a tongue-talker in this place and using that weapon like you never have before. Unashamed. And what's going to come out? The manifest presence and power and goodness of God. Say it with me. It increases sensitivity. It decreases timidity. Amen. It releases Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, what? Tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He told them, and you will be my witnesses. It's not about you knowing the dates and the times and the seasons, but you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're going to go where? To Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the other parts of the world, Murray, Kentucky. Compared to Judea, we are the uttermost parts of the world. Some of y'all feel like it is the uttermost parts of the world, but this is where you're assigned. Amen. This is your Jerusalem. It was never going to be just get doused with power in the story. It's supposed to be never-ending, recycled, constantly power in you and through you. Paul said in Ephesians 5, do not be drunk with wine, where is an excess, but be filled, be being filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves, what? In Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody with your heart. What's he saying? You keep this thing going. Yes. Pray so that your faith will be built up. Pray in tongues. Speak in tongues to edify yourself. Speak in tongues to quiet your soul. Speak in tongues to subjugate your mouth. But speak in tongues to release what's on the inside of you in the direction of people that are in need. For some, it'll be forgiveness. For some, it will be deliverance. For some, it'll be healing. For some, it will be provision. For some, it will be to give them hope. For some, some type of creative miracle. You and I have been walking around with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and it's not getting out. How does the power that raised Jesus from the dead get out? Intentionally, on purpose, speaking in tongues in the direction of that need. Like a fire hydrant. Amen. Can you receive that today? And I realize that in our diverse, you know, congregation, there are people that have, you know, heard these things very little, or maybe this is your first 
you know, lesson on tongues. Uh, on the table, as you go out, the, the visitor table, we put a book by Gloria Copeland on there called Receive, Not Receive the Holy Ghost, that's Brother Osteen's. It's called God's Will is the Holy Spirit. We want you to take one of those booklets. I'm talking about people who have not received the Holy Ghost. Take one of those booklets and read that and read it and read it. And you can do one of two things. You can either ask us to pray for you any day of the week, any time during a prayer meeting, you know, during church service. Or you can get alone in your bedroom and just lift your hands into heaven and say, what she just talked about, what pastor just preached about, I want into my life and you expect it in Jesus' name. And then when he does it, you tell us. And then when you, you receive the Holy Ghost and you receive tongues, don't you ever stop speaking in tongues. I tell you, the world can be going to hell in a handbasket and everybody against you. Everything is going the wrong way, but you can walk around in a bubble of perfect peace by praying in the Holy Ghost. On the act of ready for whatever comes your way. The reality is, the devil's telling you you're insignificant, you don't matter. And in, in the scheme of things, in the body of Christ, you know you're just a blip. What good is this? What good am I? Let me tell you something. The devil did all that and told you all that to silence you. Turn to somebody and tell them, you are dangerous. With a capital D. Amen. Say it one more time. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is on the inside of me. What he's telling us is how to get it from the inside out. That's tongues. Say it with me. Every member, every attender, every person that visits, saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost, and talking in tongues. You will drive the devil nuts. In about some time for payback. You know that he can't understand a word you're saying. All he knows is it's bad for him and good for God. So if you really want to aggravate him, raise your hand if you really want to aggravate the devil tomorrow. You speak in tongues more tomorrow than you ever have before. Some of you can't do that because of the nature of your job. But some of you have jobs where you can pray intermittently all day long in the Holy Ghost. Long periods of time where you're working by yourself or in kind of little proximity to other people. You can pray in the Spirit. Not drawing attention to yourself, but releasing what you have. I mean, you can get your entire work crew, office staff, everybody saved. They're talking ugly about you behind your back, but you know what you're doing? You're shooting tongues at them. Go right ahead, buddy. Go ahead and keep that up. You'll be just like me in six months. Go ahead, shoot your best shot. And another thing. But see, the devil wants us to come down and live like everybody else on this low level of existence, a hoping and a praying maybe God will do something. When the answer's been here all the time. Now, can't you just catch a glimpse of this today of what Smith Wigglesworth was trying to say? I'm in the Word all the time. I live a holy life, and I pray in tongues all the time. No wonder people got up from the dead. 
No wonder people had tumors, you know, come up out of their bodies. No wonder things just disappeared. No wonder people were delivered. He's a plumber by trade. No miracles ascribed to his ministry until after he was about 52 years old. He didn't have anybody to poison his well with unbelief and doubt. He just started doing it. Watch this. The more you pray in tongues, the more results you're going to have. Do I have any believers out there? The more you pray in tongues, the more results you're going to have. Come on, let's give them a big hand clap and thank them today.